Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's a pleasure to have on the show today Elizabeth Danziger, who is the writer of a book called Get to the Point. How many people get very frustrated when they see written communications that isn't written very well at all? How many times have you been interviewing candidates for a possible job opening and you look at resumes and you see how poorly they're written or a cover note and you say, no, I don't think I'm going to hire this person, not today, and then toss it? Well, Elizabeth Denzinger, who I'm going to call Liz, for the rest of the show, is going to give us some anecdotes and pointers on how to get to the point and write really well. Welcome, Liz. Good morning. How are you, Cindy? I'm doing very well, thank you. I enjoyed your book very much. Great. I think that, I think that every service professional should have one of these on their desks because there are you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who have lost their corporate jobs and maybe they were able to get away with things, you know, a little bit more, had a little bit more leeway when they were working in a corporate office. Um, but now that they're out in the real world and having to compete with people who can write well, I'm, I feel so strongly that people should go out and buy this book, get to the point. What are your thoughts? Well, of course, I agree with you. And I wrote the book. At, it's an outgrowth of some monthly writing tips called Vitamins that I send out, which I'm happy to send out to any of your listeners, that over the course of many years, people in my trainings and people ask me various questions about writing. And, and I discovered a lot of very, very straightforward tools that people can use to help them write more clearly, cut their writing time in half, and, as you said, save themselves the embarrassment and the, the terrible results of having poor writing habits. No, uh, and it, it, people should be trained earlier on too. One of the things that has amazed me a little bit is that public schools don't put the same kind of emphasis on grammar, writing, consistency, style, narrative. And I'm talking about when we get to perhaps high school and even college. There seems to be a lack of attention to detail, and people come out of college, they graduate, and they go into the real working world, and they really don't have any idea how to write for business or how to write in a consistent tense. One of the things that I find a lot, and I train interns a lot with UCLA, is the marriage of tenses. They have no idea, and they're all over the place with past and present and future. That's the most common error that I find. What do you see, Liz? Well, that certainly is a common error. People start and they get, they get lost in time, and I, I recommend to people that if they, obviously, if you start in one tense, you should stay in one tense. And people also make sometimes very, very simple mistakes, like the mistake between its ITS and its IT apostrophe S. I mean, that is a very simple mistake. IT apostrophe S means it is, so you can't say the post office raised it is rates, and it's obviously not IT apostrophe S. But yet, just this week, I got an email from someone who used IT apostrophe S, it is, when he meant to just say that, you know, this was its 
thing. So that's a common mistake, lose, lose. People make a lot of spell check errors, too. And it's confusing because people are thinking about IT apostrophe S as a possessive, but it's never used as a possessive, is it? Right. It's only a contraction. IT apostrophe S means it is, and that's the only thing it means. And, uh, you know, again, this is something that it, it would stay in my head as an exception. Every language has its rules and its exceptions. And for people that study foreign languages, they know that there's these crazy exceptions. In Mandarin Chinese, they spend, like, classes, two hours, talking about the exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, it surprises me that something as simple as IT apostrophe S still confuses grown-ups. It's really kind of amazing. It's really you know, kind of but... amazing. Someone also just wrote me a, a, an email recently complimenting me on my blog, and he spelled it C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E, compliment, instead of compliment. And a compliment with an I is praising someone, and compliment with an E is something that just, two thing, when two things go well together, then they complement each other. But this was a very educated person, and he used the wrong compliment. And the problem with making little mistakes like that is that they really undermine a person's credibility. And that's one of the things that I emphasize over and over in the book, Get to the Point, that people do judge you just as you wouldn't show up at a business meeting with ketchup all over your shirt. It doesn't work to use the wrong word, to spell things wrong, not to spell check, and not to then check your spell check. I have to bring this up, but that would be a condiment, the ketchup. Am I right? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, right. The condiment, not the mustard. So these things damage credibility, and people unfortunately judge our intelligence by the quality of our writing. So even a, a very, very smart, capable person who writes poorly is going to end up at a disadvantage. I think that's very, very true. I want people to definitely visit your website. Why don't you give it a plug? We'll do that throughout the show, Liz. Okay. It's www.worktalk.com. And if you go there, you can sign up for our free monthly vitamins writing tips. We also offer a 10-part email series, 10 Principles of Successful Email Writing, also for free, which people can sign up for at worktalk.com. Okay, thank you for that. I want to ask you another thing that I've discussed with you before we went live on the air is that it really, one of the things that really amazes me, and I, I'm not putting down, you know, every educated person, so I don't want there to be any misunderstandings, but one would think that when a person goes to law school, passes the bar, has to do, you know, briefs and contracts, and transactional agreements that when it comes to writing a business memo, it would be easy for them. And I find in my editing practice that sometimes lawyers are very, very challenged in in writing an expository assignment. So you're absolutely right. I've actually had the opportunity to to coach a variety of attorneys, which is, and I, I really praise the people who, who allow themselves to be coached because most lawyers think they're good writers even when they're not good writers. So it's a rare attorney who will say, yes, come on, Liz, give me a little coaching. But they always um, benefit from it. And someone actually just sent me a, a, a writing sample. She said she frequently gets letters from attorneys that say, if you agree with the foregoing, please sing this document and send it back to me. 
So there's a case saying instead of sign, someone once turned in a writing sample to me that says invoices are singed but not dated. These are oh. cases where people wrote, they did their spell check, they sent it out, and they never stopped to see what did I actually write. And attorneys, as we know in the Frank McCourt divorce case that's happening literally right now, the attorney changed, he, whether he did it on purpose or not, but he changed the word exclusive to inclusive in three of six documents. I mean, how could a person make a mistake like writing exclusive instead of inclusive unless they were maybe totally mired in legal jargon? And perhaps, I don't know exactly what happened in that case. The judge will determine what she wants to say for that. I mean, it is pretty, uh, do you think maybe an intern may have written it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you make a mistake like that. But however it was made, it was made. And millions of dollars, millions of dollars are at stake on the change between two letters, between X and N. uh, And again, this is the kind of thing that a spell check will not pick up on because it is indeed spelled right. So our programs aren't intuitive enough enough just yet to correct us in context gives me faith in human nature because the smartest spell check program will not save a person from making all kinds of other mistakes. Oh, exactly right. And I, and I think that people rely on spell check a little bit too much. Um, I even prefer the smartphone signature that says, I'm on, I'm texting, or I'm using my mobile device, so please forgive me for grammar and spelling, because at least it gives the person an excuse. What do you think of that? You know, I'm a little bit of a purist on that. I, I kind of think, even if you're on, I think that people should write correctly, and if they can't write correctly, maybe they shouldn't be sending it. Important. You can send, you know, I'll be 10 minutes late for lunch, no problem. But if it's substantive, I honestly think it's better to wait till you get to a place where you can write it correctly with no mistakes in grammar and punctuation and do it then. Every piece of writing that we send to another person is a message about who we are, what we stand for, and, and it's a testament to our intelligence and capability. And little mistakes, even if we say, oh, it's my BlackBerry's fault. It wasn't me. It was my BlackBerry. I think... It's still people will still judge you by the quality of the writing that that comes from your from your source. I think that's very very true. I um and I, I don't think that people realize that. I get excuses sometimes like, you know, I was lazy. Well, but well, don't. <laughs> hello. Well, you know, is that what you would say to, um, you know, somebody in the army? I was lazy. I I, I just uh, that blows me. I'm, it's almost like an insult. Right. It's, I'm sorry I was lazy. Well, you know what? Don't be lazy if you're doing something that has to do with um, that, that has to do with how you represent yourself. You and I both belong to an organization called Provisors, and there's so much emphasis on you know how to do your elevator speech and how to connect with people in a networking situation and how do you get to know, like, and trust someone. And I think that you and I agree that's all very important. Um, I think that there should be just as much as an emphasis in writing and to the point where um, I could see you, Liz, doing workshops for the Provisors Networking Group 
talking about, like, little workshops about how to improve their written communication skills, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, idea. a writer's boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that you probably have done things like that. Absolutely. I've spoken for the CPA Society. I've spoken for a variety of different professional organizations and networking groups and sharing just some of the basic tools from the WorkTalk writing training programs, which can make a huge impact in people's in people's writing capabilities. And I think that's great. Well, listen, we're going to have you on in the next segment after this commercial break. We are speaking with Elizabeth Stanziger. Get to the point. And we'll be back in a few. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with Liz Danziger, the author of Get to the Point. I want to say this. A lot of students listen to my show. A lot of public relations um, curriculums and journalism curriculums say if you want to learn about marketing and PR in the real world, Tune into Cindy's show on Voice America Talk. And I want to say this. Do not even write me a cover note that you want to work with my company unless you read Get to the Point by Liz Danzinger. You can get it at Amazon, and it is one of the most relevant, important business tool kinds of books that I've ever read in my entire career. So I don't want to even hear from you unless I know that you have purchased this book on Amazon. How's that, Liz? Thank you. 
Um, I, I would even go a step further and say, do not write articles for me <laughs> unless you have read this book, but I don't want to insult people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the basics of grammar and building a story and how to make a point is so simple and written in a very entertaining fashion. This is not something that's going to bore you. Elizabeth goes out of her way to make it fun. And it's really for, it's for grown-ups. And I, I just think everybody has to stop for a second and learn how to write so that you are able to break through the clutter in this horrible economy and maybe help our employment numbers diminish a little bit. And that's how strongly I feel about this book as a tool. Um, Elizabeth, you went through a lot of, you, you went through, um, you took some time, sorry, to write Freudian slips and some of the things that you see as mistakes. And they're kind of funny. I know there's, that you use... There's one that I'd be glad to send. If anyone wants to, uh, I, I can describe it, but the link is truly hilarious. Anyone who wants to email me at worktalk.com, I can send you a copy of a giant billboard in South Bend, Indiana, which says 15 reasons why our pubic schools are the best. Oh, my God. And that was really posted publicly? <laughs> it was posted. It's on the highway in South Bend, Indiana, just in giant letters, pubic schools. It's very, very funny. Oh, and you know, it's we know billboards cost, okay? All right, that's number one. Number two, who was checking the copy? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I frequently drive past businesses that have names, that have words in their signs misspelled. That's another whole, we could write another whole book about misspelled menus and um, business name signs. No, but I there are also that's... people, one man uh, told me that he, he was writing to a woman he knew, and he wrote, I know how busty you are, which he meant to write, I know how busy you are, but he wrote, I know how busty you are. Another person wrote, I pity you for not, when he meant to say, a pity you could not make it to the meeting, but instead he wrote, I pity you. Right, and also you have, please call me when you get it. Yes, that that was another one. A woman had been having a problem with one of her coworkers, and she sent her an email that said, please call me when you get it. She meant to say, please call me when you get in. The person who got the email that said, please call me when you get it, copied the email to the whole senior management team. This woman was called in, ta- given a strong talking to. She couldn't figure out what she had done wrong. She finally went back to her email and saw that she had written get it instead of get in. But a lot of damage had been done by the time that all came out, and it was just a one-letter difference, and it really created difficulties for her in her work environment. So in the Work Talk trainings, I emphasize this. I can't emphasize it often enough. Stop after you read, after you write an email and read it slowly before you hit send. There is no email so short that you can't make a fool of yourself by writing something that you didn't mean to write. No, exactly right. And some of, one of the tools that I suggest is reading it out loud. Absolutely. Sometimes when you read something out loud and you hear a voice next to it, it's sort of different than when you hear it in your head. 
Well, that's the thing. The thing is that our eyes are always lying to us. As we all know, we've all had the experience of looking at a document, thinking it's fine, sending it out, and then looking at it the next day and thinking, oh, no, what did I do? Our eyes are telling us that things are on the paper when they aren't really there, whereas our ears, as our social sense, our ears will not lie to us. The ears will also tell you when you've written something that's an awkward phraseology. The ears will tell you when you should stop and put a period in. Reading aloud is one of the most powerful editing tools that a person can use. Absolutely. And I want to also, you do a lot, you coach a lot. You have a lot of different areas where you help people. You help people ghostwrite books. And in Get to the Point, you actually have some really great advice for a writer who has to write a book and, you know, how important it is to carve out the time or it's never going to, <laughs> it's always going to be last on the list. And well, someone once asked Ernest Hemingway, what's the hardest thing about writing? And Hemingway said, the hardest thing about writing is that first you have to clean the refrigerator. Ah! <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's um, it's interesting. I, I'm writing a book right now about crisis management in a 3.0 world, and I have a co-writer. And I people say to me, you know, after I go to the gym or after I go to the office, well, what are you doing tonight? Or what are you doing this weekend? And I'll say, I'm writing. And they'll look at me like I'm crazy, like, mm-hmm. you know, all weekend. But in my head, and this actually, you reinforced this for me, Liz, mm-hmm. is if I don't carve out the whole weekend, I'm just not going to write at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have to, whether you do it or you don't, you have to, you have to make a date with your, with your desktop or your laptop, or it's just not going to get done. No, absolutely. And I do recommend that to, to people in the Work Talk trainings, that they set aside time, just as if, and I, what I, one of the tools that people can, just a little mental game that you can play with yourself is, if you had a client who was sitting in your lobby waiting to talk to you, you would not keep that client waiting while you checked your email, checked your voicemail, cleaned up your desk, watered your plans. You wouldn't do that. But if you are waiting to write a communication to that client or to that reader, you also need to imagine that that person is waiting for you and you're not going to keep that person waiting. You're going to get to it and start on that communication. And uh, and I think that really hit home. And I think that making time for any kind of important writing, never mind a book, it's the same principle. If you have to write a business plan or um, an, a monthly report or, you know, any kind of business correspondence, don't multitask and do it because then you're going to come up with the Freudian slips and the syntax errors and using the wrong word because you're not paying attention to it. Uh-huh. So Absolutely don't, right. It's not a good idea to be talking on the phone and and sort of haphazardly writing an important memo that's going to have business repercussions. No, you're absolutely right. It really takes focus. And that's one of the things that's really at a premium in our society today is focus because of, as you say, all the multitasking. But writing is a high-level intellectual activity, and it requires real focus and attention. And uh Care. So that's probably one of the reasons why the quality of writing keeps declining is that people are increasingly distracted. Question about social media. Is that an excuse to not write well? 
when you're Absolutely writing Absolutely not. The social media, I think one of the most deceptive things about, about email, Facebook, all of these, the, the various, um, LinkedIn also, is that we feel that what we're doing is very private because we're just sitting in our own little office in our own little space with our own little computer. But yet the things that we write are absolutely public. They go everywhere. Our, our employers, our employees, our colleagues, our friends, everyone can read what we post on the social network, and everyone can read, and they stay there permanently. It's very difficult to get rid of things once they've been posted on the Internet. And so people are careless in a context where, in fact, they should be twice as careful because of, the, because of the incredible reach and the incredible permanence of the things that they're writing. So, uh, and writing for social networks, there is, in fact, as I said, there's, ne there's never an excuse for using the wrong word or using it for, or, or a grammatical mistake, simply because it reflects poorly on, what, on the person's intelligence and capability. And why should anyone do that to themselves just because they say, well, it was just Facebook, well, it was just this, it was just that. The truth is, those are real communications, and people are really paying attention to them, and they are judging us based on how we present in the, ourselves in the social network. So it's really crucial. You do have to be brief. You do have to use straightforward sentence structures and be to the point. But it's, it, it is very important for people to also be correct. It's very, very true. The other thing is, is not only is it, not only is it there in perpetuity, it gets picked up by Google very, very often. And then when a person is doing a Google search on you, they're going to see the poor writing. Yeah, I actually, I have a, I have a daughter now who is just getting ready to apply for colleges, and there was a session at her school recently where they pointed out that college admissions offices are looking on Facebook. When you, apply for a, when you apply for a job, when you apply for an internship, when you apply for college admission, they're not stupid. They know that what you're really doing is on your Facebook page. So what's on the Facebook page had better be clean and clear and correct and reflect well and not reflect poorly. Something for everybody to think about. Well, we've come to the end of... These segments, Liz, I want to thank you. You are a great author, a great writing coach, great ghost, ghost writer, and you run a company called WorkTalk, training, editing, writing. We help people get to the point, www.worktalk.com. And again, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for service professionals to read, for everybody to read, students to read, get to the point. Just a, Thank you so much for your helpful hints. I really enjoyed it. I'd like to have you on the show sometime again in the future. Great. I'd love to be here. And if people want to sign up for Reitemann's Writing Tips, all they have to do is go to the WorkTalk site. Okay. Thanks so much. Stand by. We have Byron Gordon coming up next. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're continuing our theme about written communication. In our prior segments, we had Elizabeth Sengziger, who is a great writing coach and wrote the book, Get to the Point, about how important it is to have your written messages um, written pristinely and clearly and correctly. Now we're going to talk a little bit about how the written word is available via multi-platforms. And I have with me somebody that I've met through Twitter, and I love guests that I've met through Twitter, and his name is Byron Gordon, and he's the VP of Social Media for SELPR. Welcome, Byron. Good morning, Cindy. Good to be with you. It's good to be with you, too. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about how your name came across my tweet deck. Yep. And um, I guess when you did, you posted a YouTube interview with the VP of Digital Media from the New York Times, there were quite a few people that retweeted um, your message that the New York Times will be going digital in 2015. Did I remember that accurately? Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, um, you know, so I, there were other people who were tweeting about it, and it was a great tweet. It got people's attention, right? Like, you know, crazy, question mark. Um, New York Times goes digital. So, I, of course, I retweeted it. And you're very good because, you know, you are a VP of social media, and you get back to people and say, so what's so, strange, what's so crazy about that, right? <laughs> well, you, you have to keep people honest uh, as best we can in this business. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I think actually that um, – uh, some people, well, as you're as you're finding out, you know, Twitter is becoming an incredible, useful tool for people in our profession. And uh, just to chime in on that, uh, the fact that you know we always share the importance of growing uh, the number of followers, your fan base, uh, essentially. And um, of course, the more people that follow you. Uh, the drop you're going to find as far as, well, who's actually paying attention to you. And um, I found that um, when you're actually periodically and not, you know, glued to a program like TweetDeck, but if you're monitoring, you know, for keywords and you find tweets that um, ask a direct question and you respond to it, you suddenly get responses back like, hey, you know, I agree with you, or how, you know, you get an immediate human response, which um, I think uh, is, is extremely important because people sometimes fear that uh, as, as much of a uh, as social media has has had this impact on our lives, um, we don't want to uh, be disconnected uh, from uh, from it uh, in our contact and communication with people. And um, so the fact that you retweeted my tweet and other people uh, responded to that, obviously there was a human connection that was made there, and um, that, that, that can't be emphasized enough. Can't be. It, one of the things that's really important about social media, social networking, is not just how many, it's not just how big you are, how many followers you have, because anybody could buy followers. We know that. I mean, yep. it's, it's almost like disingenuous. It's really building um, a communication between people. I call it engaging relationships, where you actually have a dialogue with one another. And it's interesting, Byron, I want to hear what you think about this. I have a friend that is in the Internet marketing business, and he has a couple of accounts, Twitter accounts, that are automated. And he doesn't go back and forth and talk to people. He's like, well, but I'm getting all of these followers, and I'll be able to use it one day. And, you know, all he did was program a release of information. You know, he timed it. It's automated about retirement because he thinks one day maybe he'll do some counseling, and you know, for the retired folk. And I just found that to be insulting and disingenuous because I didn't think that that's what Twitter was all about. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, um, an author, uh, Tara Hunt, wrote a book uh, called Woofy, um, which is about the importance of raising your social capital or raising your, your reputation in the community that you work in. And uh, people want to respond uh, to people. They don't want to respond to a machine, and they don't want to respond uh, to an automated tweet. And I know that automated tweets are very much frowned upon uh, by leading thinkers who um, are big advocates of social media. Good. I'm really glad to hear that because I give this guy service all the time. <laughs> and he takes it personally. But, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm like the anti-automated, and I'm new to this social media game. So, you know, it's, 
Um, it takes I just a lot. Felt- you know, you have to. Um, there isn't compo- a component that does require your attention. Social media. If you put social media on autopilot, it's you know a lot of dimin- diminishing returns. People at some point are going to recognize that there isn't somebody human there at the other end of the. Uh, of the application, and uh, that's not what they want to respond to. They don't want to respond to automation itself. They really want to connect and exchange information, uh, exchange uh, knowledge, and um, social media is very good for doing that. It it can be in in condensed format, obviously, especially if you're using an application like Twitter, uh, but it can still be very effective. And, um, again, I I would... uh, uh, emphasize that um, growing your fans, while you may want to obviously grow, what's just as important really is growing your reputation. And uh, people want to know that um, if you're using these applications, that uh, you're there involved, uh, actively sharing information and responding to other people's uh, information as well. Right. I think that's really true. Now, how did you make this, how did you fall into this business? <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, actually, I, I came from more of the, I guess, the, the traditional model of, of PR, which was the old, um, you know, trifective uh, radio and newspapers and television. And um, I was not, this was probably about five years ago, I was really not in tune with what was happening uh, over the Internet, aside from email. And um uh, I just little by little started to pick up on uh, news and information uh, that was coming out about uh, the impact of the Internet and more and more uh, the fact that more and more people were spending time online, uh, TV audiences were shrinking, and it was like, okay, so what's happening? Where are people going? How are they spending their time? And uh, sure enough, of course, uh, when uh, major newspapers started uh, giving away, as, as, as you're aware, giving away their content for free online, uh, then obviously that was one element of where people were spending their time. Uh, and uh, I just started, you know, w- when I came to SEOPR, that really opened up uh, a whole universe to me uh, of uh, the power of the Internet and uh, also really understanding more how news media organizations uh, are um, making their information available, and uh, it just kind of grew and grew from there. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, And, I again, I've met you in your interview with the VP of Digital Media for the New York Times, and I want to talk to you about that interview a little bit, if that's okay, Um, because the, the, the tweet was, New York Times going digital in 2015. But when you actually see the interview, he didn't really admit that he was going digital. He was very cautious (laughs) in the way that he answered your questions. I know that you were very tenacious in trying to get him to, um, you know, give you a year and give you a time, but he, he remained a little bit ambiguous, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, you know, understandably so. He certainly didn't want to be on record uh, on video, no less, um, indicating the end of the physical uh, New York Times, which was understandable. Uh, But um, I'm sure the question had already been asked to him before, and everyone at the New York Times organization uh, uh, that question has been on their minds for a long time now. I I think so. Listen, I mean, when you're in the news business, you know what's going on. And, you know, we, we know that inside the, 
the newsrooms and the institutions of the L.A. Times, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Chicago Tribune, that, I mean, most people who work with reporters know that print reporters have been offered nice packages to take a quote, end quote, buyout. I mean, this is, when you hang out with reporters, you know this is what's being done. Um, They're being enticed. And then they're offered the opportunity to continue blogging for the newspaper so that they still have an affiliation with the newspaper and, you know, can still market themselves as a quote-unquote reporter. But times have become very, very tough, and print is very, very, very expensive, not to mention delivery, postage, paper, right? So it's been the reality of the newspaper industry. Let's just talk newspaper and magazines. For really, you know, at least 10 years. Am I correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you're looking at, at declines in advertising uh, for uh, newspapers, which uh, continues. It's somewhat slowed, um, according to the Newspaper Association of, uh, of America, uh, but it continues. Um, online advertising actually increased somewhat. Um, uh, uh, this year, the, the last, the second quarter, uh, but print advertising fell uh, more than seven percent, and um, it's sort of somewhat stabilized, but but uh, but the trend continues. It's not it's not uh, it's not like a wholesale stop. Um, okay. And all newspapers, all news, um, uh, all news organizations that put out a daily uh, are aware of this, and it's you know to try and stop the hemorrhaging, if you will. Uh, has been the goal, and um, how do you exactly do that? No one uh, has exactly figured out. Um, We heard uh, recently about the Boston Globe. They're going to be offering, uh, they decided to offer both a paid site and a free site. So they're experimenting with a different model, trying to see what works, how to, um, you know, uh, stop the hemorrhaging, if you will. Well, I mean, look, news is news. It's a, it's different platforms. There's an adjustment. People who are baby boomers and older are really used to having newspaper in hand. They grew up with it that way, right? Yeah. So um, it, it, the world is in transition. Um, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a division president for Playboy Enterprises for 16 years, so I really do know what went on behind the scenes in terms of print magazines. And, you know, the politics and the concern and the attitudinal change and the adjustment that had to be made internally when, when I was on the committee that was deciding how to convert Playboy magazine to Playboy.com. Right. And it was, it was an extremely <clears throat> painful Heated debate. process. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it just, you know, it, it was learning when you're, when you're in 40 years in print and a very successful print publication yeah. and learning that you're not simply copying a paper version of a publication and slapping it online, but cha- making it more cheapskate. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but right. making the product more cheapskate, making it... Um, you know, changing the language, making it more dialogue-friendly. There was a lot of work that went into that, and I would imagine that happened in a lot of magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, certainly. Um, and that, and that, and that's that's continuing. I, um, as I mentioned, or I, as I indicated in a tweet, I, I think I, I suggested that uh, daily print um, is going to, you know, disappear in five years, and 
And that might not necessarily be the case, but I, I sort of said that as a way to really get people to understand that with the advent of uh, e-books and uh, iPads, uh, there's no need anymore to have to even use uh, recycled paper as a medium to produce uh, information. So newspapers are at the at the uh, the front of that and recognize that yeah indeed their days are numbered certainly um, different age groups still appreciate having a, a, a daily paper to read rather than are, are not going to uh, necessarily use say an iPad to consume their information and I'm alluding probably to to seniors in that in that regard but my generation or the younger generation. Um, are very much open to using devices of that kind. So while we might see dailies disappear, uh, weeklies, I would think, are still going to be around, um, weekly magazines I'm referring to, and also newspapers that produce a weekend edition, that might still be uh, potentially profitable for them uh, if, they're find, if they're able to find a model that works, uh, because certainly on the weekends, at least some of us like to uh, take a break from their computers and actually sit down maybe with a cup of coffee and actually read the newspaper or read their weekly magazine. I'm glad to hear you say that. Let's take a commercial break. Byron, we'll be right back after this break. More with Byron when we come back. Stand by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At BR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. BR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of BR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.brpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. BR Public Relations. We do it all. www.brpublicrelations.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Oh, my God! 
Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back, and we're here with Byron Gordon, and he is the Vice President of Social Media for SEO PR. Why don't you talk about what SEO PR is, Byron, so we could give your company a plug. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we're a firm that was started by uh, Greg Jarbo and Jamie O'Donnell about five, six years ago. Uh, Greg Jarbo is the author of uh, YouTube and Video Marketing, An Hour a Day, a real uh, pioneer in the use of video. And uh, Greg has a long background in the publishing industry, and Jamie has a long background um, in PR itself. And uh, we, we do PR, obviously, and uh, we do SEO, search engine optimization. So we work with clients on both of those fronts to help them uh, increase their vis- uh, visibility on the web, uh, help them to be found on search engines, help them with their optimized press release writing, with their content, uh, with their um, videos, uh, all facets of social media and uh, all facets of their content and um, really just uh, using the Internet uh, in the manner uh, in which is going to get you uh, more traffic and uh, uh, more sales. Well, that's great. And do, does SEOPR, do they offer web development as a capability too or yes, in-house? Web- Yes, we, we work with a number of, uh, of, 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 of vendors that we work with that we have relationships with, and uh, we offer that as well, yes. Okay. Well, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think that your firm has a really great model. Um, you know, I think that I told you in our dialogue that, you know, we refer out for SEO. I wish that, you know, I, you know, I wish that Diane, my partner, and I knew SEO, but we didn't grow up with it. Sure. We certainly know it, how it works academically. Um, you know, we, we know what it does, but when it, we, it's just not a capability that we offer because we're, you know, two traditional press relations people that had grown up in a different media environment. So, uh, yep. you know, no, it's... Um, no, I just want to say, I, you know, it's taken a while now for traditional PR to finally catch up to this new world that we're in. And, and now, you know, PR agencies are, are starting to get it, uh, but um, it's, it's taken a while for them to, to understand uh, and, and fully integrate a lot of the changes that have occurred over the past five, six years. No, it is. And I, I, you know, and I think that people are best to really, in this economy, to look at what their strengths are. And if it's not a strength, definitely find, um, you know, affiliates that you could work with that could complement your strengths. And, you know, that's what we've been doing with SEO. And that's why we're very, very glad to have met you. We have a couple of people that we work with. But we like the fact that SEO PR has a combination, you know, knows the combo of traditional press and, you know, SEO marketing. We think that's really great. But we're not going to take on another capability right now. We're just doing great the way we are and crisis management is a capability that we offer and i have to tell you that takes up a lot of my time these days can imagine <laughs> i mean it, I, i'm telling you in a time where the economy is bad <laughs> it's really interesting how many people need to have um have crisis situations that need to be mitigated so 
right. we'll, we'll just stick with that. And it's interesting, you know, you have to use social media a lot sometimes when appropriate in certain crisis situations. If somebody's getting a bad Google rap, okay, um, you know, it's important to put a lot of great information out there so that you could kind of bury the bad stuff. <laughs> That's correct. You got it. You got that. That's kind of SEO, almost SEO 101. It's it's identifying those sources that are going to give uh, the Google juice, if you will, to to elevate that content so it supersedes the content that you don't want to have appear and show up on a page one Google search. <laughs> no, you really, really don't. I, it's interesting. I I don't know if I, I don't know how familiar you are, Byron, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. With people who have actually. Um, law firms who have actually sued Google on behalf of their clients. And what I learned the other day is, and, I, and this wasn't the case two years ago, is that Google does actually consider um, unfair defamation. I, it used to be that Google would say, we're su- simply a platform, we can't help what's, you know, what's said. Right, but right. I, I had come into contact with uh, you know, some big-time lawyers recently who said that they had found some success and I guess that they were able to prove that, you know, their clients, it, it was really defamation and untrue. Have you heard that? Because it's new for me, and I was actually amazed by it. Actually, I, I have not heard too much about that, Cindy. So that, that um, I mean, it, 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 it makes sense. Certainly defamation is, um, uh, is a serious issue there uh, that, uh, that uh, needs to be addressed. And the fact that Google um, would do so, um, that's a, that, that's an interesting development. It, it, it's very interesting, and this learned just yesterday um, because I, I was called to help somebody with, you know, sort of reputation management and just putting a lot of good stuff out there to kind of bury the bad. Right. And they ended up not needing my services because the lawyers killed it. <laughs> something interesting for us to be aware of. I, I think it's rare that that's going to be the case, and I think that lawyers have to make a very, very, very strong case because I think Google's position would still be, hey, we're just a platform. General, yes. In general, that, that's correct, yes. No, it, it was just, um, I, I thought I'd share that news with you here today. <laughs> Thank you. I'll have to share that news with my boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know when what you know what he has to say about it because again, this was a, a very very real situation. Um, so going back, we have a couple of more minutes, Byron. You know, and you were afraid that we were not going to be able to fill up the two segments. Ha! Huh? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you how much you use, and then we have to wrap up. Um, Facebook. LinkedIn, or is Twitter kind of your main platform? Well, that's a good question, uh, Cindy. I'm actually um, using, uh, well, I use Facebook primarily for social. Uh, I have my own uh, Facebook profile with my friends, and I do socialize. I have used it a little bit for professional reasons, merely if I felt I wasn't able to get a response from particular individuals I was trying to reach out to, uh, and I preface my contact with uh, an apology, not wanting to bug them via a social media platform like Facebook. And um, uh, it's actually yielded pretty good results, uh, but I've been very careful in how I've used it. Uh, so Facebook, primarily social. Uh, Twitter, I'm using actually a lot more now. Uh, but I'm uh, and I'm using it for professional uh, reasons. I'm on it every day, in particular, using uh, TweetDeck, 
and I'm monitoring uh, key terms, keywords uh, that um, are relevant either for one of our clients or for my profession. I want to see and hear what people are chatting about, uh, what's the latest uh, news, if you will, or the latest even gossip. Uh, but um, uh, just as important, it's, it's really keeping track of uh, even uh, breaking news. I, I, I ask that question to a number of people sometimes, how they're using Twitter, and, and uh, they are responding to the fact that they are finding out about news and information on Twitter uh, first than any other medium. I so uh, I really do like uh, TweetDeck um, as a platform to monitor traffic. And then LinkedIn, I do use... Uh, but I'd say I've, uh, LinkedIn has is, is, is been mixed for me. I, I, I'm not sure yet ultimately if um, of the three that I've mentioned to you uh, today, if LinkedIn has yet proven its ultimate value for me, both professionally and socially. Well, we'll have to um, have you back on the show because we've come to an end, Byron. So I want to thank you, Byron Gordon, for joining us, um, SEO, PR. We'll have you back again. Sound good? Thank you so much, Cindy. Appreciate it. Okay, you have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us, and everybody, be safe, enjoy, take care. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. Bye, I'm an American. I'm